Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. And then I was beating myself up because I couldn't do all of that. But in my head, I'm I'm a stay-at-home mom. Like, this is my full-time job and I should be doing all these things. And so then my husband would come home and say... A random statement like, wow, why is there a fridge a mess? And I would take it so personally because in my head, that means I didn't do my job. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 208. Today, we're talking about self-care for overwhelmed parents with Alicia Beach. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Membership, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind confident kids. Welcome back. So nice to be in your ears. So glad you're here. If you're new, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Alicia Beach, who is a birth mom of three, adoptive mom of one, and stepmom of four step adults. And yes, that was right. 
That's eight kids and a dog. So this professional mom is a BA in child development, and her podcast, The Mom Forum, features intimate mom-to-mom conversations, sharing the journey through motherhood, and that's what this is. This is a real intimate conversation. We actually got to hang out in person for this conversation, which was a real treat, and uh, and and I really consider her a cool, wonderful friend now. Um, and so uh, let me tell you how this whole thing started, because the interesting thing about this is like, so she put out a picture a few years ago of this is a really real picture of motherhood of her sitting on the toilet nursing your child. And you can find that picture in the show notes at mindful mom, mindful podcast.com. And so anyway, a few days later, a news channel is calling her. So she, she took this sudden, you know, platform and she used it to be really honest about the difficulties of being a stay at home parent and how to kind of carve out some sanity in the midst of all the craziness. So I want you to listen for that, you know, overall theme of how to deal with overwhelm. You know, if you have a life with four kids or one kid or whatever, um, about how we need to be honest about how we waste our time and small changes we can make towards our priorities. So I hope this will be a very helpful episode for you. I, I know it will be. Um, for sure. And before we dive in, I just want to let you know that the spring retreat is open. I have limited spots. I'm holding a one-day spring retreat um, on March 21st, 2020 in Philadelphia. Um, And it's going to be a wonderful all-day long retreat. And the retreats have people... We've, we've really enjoyed the retreats in the past. Um, we're going to be doing some. I have a wonderful uh, yoga teacher coming in so I can practice with you. And we're going to be doing some meditation and talking about mindful parenting and um, communication and practices and things. Uh, and uh, and I hope you'll join us. It's at mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. So I hope I will see you there. That would be lovely. Uh, And now on to this episode. So Alicia, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And this is a very special one (laughs) because if you can't tell from the sound quality being a little different, Alicia and I are hanging out in person. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) And I came all the way out to California to do it. It's the best place to be. I mean, it's, the sun is shining. It's gorgeous here. <laughs> it is really, really nice. As, as someone from the East Coast, I can attest a few days in California do perk up one's mood quite a bit, quite a bit. So, um, so thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you because, you know, you're a, you're a mom blogger. You've done so much. You've, you've had, you've been sharing about motherhood and you have Four kids. Yes. And you start, I, I want to start out with that picture. <laughs> the picture. The picture. It's okay. So this is an audio format. So I'm just going to, uh, maybe you could just paint a picture for what the picture looks like. Yes. The picture is of me sitting on the toilet, having an everyday moment. And my daughter came over and decided she needed to breastfeed in the moment. <laughs> After crawling across the bathroom and pulling everything out of the bathroom cabinets, all the stuff, and 
I'm sitting there laughing at myself because, like, just ridiculous. I said to my husband, honey, you have got to come take a picture of this because, like, this is life right now. And he took the picture, and I thought it was hilarious. I wasn't sure if I was going to share it because at the time I was not blogging. I was not a mom blogger or anything. I mean, I had, like, maybe 300 followers on Instagram, which were all people that I actually knew. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was just a random real life picture that I decided to get and it kind of <laughs> switched the path of my life almost the when it came out or when I put it out myself I did do that and it, it went like viral it right like super viral I put it out I said to my husband I'm going to put it out and he's like you are nuts but whatever <laughs> I've always been nuts to you <laughs> So I think we were like shopping at like an outlet and I just put it up on my Instagram on a Sunday afternoon. And then I, by Monday morning, a co-worker's friend uh, messaged me on like Facebook and he's like, you're trending on Reddit. And I'm like, I, what's Reddit? I don't even know what Reddit <laughs> is. And so he sends me the link and then I start following the trail uh-huh. of what was happening. It's like, oh my God. And then I get a call from a news station oh the my next gosh. day. <laughs> and my husband is always the type that's like, oh, nothing's going to happen. It's just no big deal. And so it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh, my gosh. And that and did so did that kind of like sort of launch you into like blogging yeah, and so sharing about because you share about motherhood in a really real way. Thank you. Well, what I, for some, I don't remember why I was in this like mom coaching group. And I think it was, I was just kind of trying to find my own way after having a child and kind of moving on from a career and not really mm-hmm. knowing where I was. And you were an actress, right? Because this is the first time I looked up my information, some information <laughs> about my de- my guest and I found an IMDb yeah. like profile <laughs> for you. And I was like, oh, and your husband is a big actor, yeah. too. I wasn't really acting that much. I had done some random things. I was actually a professional dancer. Oh, and uh, wow. um, I taught uh, dance in the schools, and I trained teachers. And then I was working with the L.A. County Arts Commission and um, running some of their grant programs. And when I got pregnant, they lost their funding for this huge expansion that I was a part of and building Mm. into the school. So that did release me. I still worked as a consultant with them and coaching school districts and creating plans. But then I had my kid and I was just like, I don't know how to handle all this. And do I really want to still do this? And my husband was traveling. I think every mother goes through that. Like, what? I was not expecting all of this. So I was in this coaching group. So I called the coach and I was like, oh, my God, I put this picture out and it's going viral and I don't know what to do. And she happened to have a contact at Huffington Post. So she put me in touch with the editor um, and I was a grant writer. So I had some writing skills. So I wrote a response to it, basically saying, like, I mean, come on, people, this is real life. Nobody's perfect. And these are all the ways that I am not perfect. And then that went super viral Mm. and got translated to tons of different languages. Mm. And I was just not set up to acquire all of that traffic. I literally had like personal pages and that was it. So I was getting all these personal messages on Facebook of women 
saying, thank you so much for showing this. This is my life and I never see anything like this. Or I don't feel so crazy and I see that other people are going through the same thing. And I was just like, whoa, like this is a thing I can do this and people feel like I feel. And it was just a little bit mind blowing that I had this ability to reach out to other women that literally lived across the world through like a picture and then a message of something that I decided to write about that. So yeah. I was like, oh, oh, I can do this. Like, this is a thing, really? <laughs> and it just, like, made me take a hard left in my career and try something else. Yeah, yeah. and then at that point, how many kids did you have? I'm just curious. Because you have two. Four, four now. Yeah, I had two <laughs> at that time. So, yeah, and I had had my, who's he's now eight, about to turn nine, and mm. I had just had my daughter, who is... Oh, at the time of the picture, it was 11 months old, and she's now five. Wow. Wow. And, and you have, like, four stepkids, too, so I there are many, <laughs> many children that are in your life. And, and ex- as before we were recording, you explained to me that your oldest son is, is your cousin. Yes. <laughs> I kind of explain myself that I've been a mom in almost every capacity that you can be a mom, so I've been... The stepmom, and then a birth mom, and then... An adoptive mom. Yeah, foster mom, adoptive mom. So when my my cousin, who Mm -hmm. is now my child, that's how I refer to him, um, at nine, his mother, who is my aunt, Mm -hmm. my father is the oldest of 10, his mother is the youngest, um, and she was adopted. Her and her sister were adopted by my grandmother. She got severely sick. Mm-hmm. with diabetes mm-hmm. um like i'm not sure the actual episode but i think she passed out and never showed up at school to pick him oh, up gosh. and they found her and at her home passed out and so um she had severe diabetes at that point and had to have her leg removed um and so he went into basically a hospital like foster emergency care at the time um in new york so mm-hmm. my brother we have a large family obviously clearly (laughs) um but all of the older adults my aunt's siblings were all like retirement age and we kind of knew that whoever took on my son it was going to be full-time yeah Um, we didn't think she was going to make it through the first surgery wow so my brother had to gain uh foster care rights through the new york family system Mm -hmm. um, so that we could get him out of the Mm -hmm. hospital foster care Um, so that was a whole rigmarole I mean the foster care system and family court is just a lot (laughs) there are very many steps it's it's can be very convoluted Um, and then just we were having Uh, meetings over the phone with the entire family and where would it be best for legend to go and we were just set up to take him we had a family um, a home prepared for him to come to Um, I was already a stay-at-home mom and so we decided that he would come to me Uh, and that took a good year so how old was he when He, he when we finally got him he was nine and wow. he is, he'll be 14 in February. Wow. That's really interesting. So, I mean, 
so do you feel like your relationship with him I mean it's different right because of he course, was with yeah. his fam, his mom for or you know his a whole chunk of his life and now yeah. he's with you his like aunt does he like what does he call you does he call he you? calls me mom I think and it was a lot of wanting to feel like a part yeah. of the family I mm-hmm. mean the poor kid yeah. went from living as an only child with a single mom to sharing a home and having siblings and having a father in the home and um I think he really wanted to fit in so he pretty much right off the bat started calling me mom we didn't have like a really really tight cousin relationship obviously because I'm an adult and he's yeah yeah a child Um, different coasts yeah different coasts we don't we saw each other maybe once a year so there wasn't a strong established like cousin relationship there Mm -hmm. so I think it was easier for there to be a transition like Mm -hmm. that which can be kind of odd and weird yeah well no it's interesting I mean I think what you're showing though which I think is so beautiful is like you know just through some of these stories is the complexity that's in all of our lives right like the complexity and the messiness and like someone might look at you and say oh you you have you you know, pictures with your husband at movie pre- premieres, yeah. <laughs> which I found. <laughs> but um, but also there's this, like, messiness to all of our lives. Like, and, and w- what I think, you know, one of the things that, um, that you talk about and that I talk about, too, is that where we have a lot of overlap is that, you know, th- we can do a lot of things. We can do a lot of really good things for ourselves, a lot of things sort of quote-unquote right but it's still gonna be messy it's still gonna be messy it's still there's still gonna be uncomfortable times it's still gonna be times way out of balance and out of whack too yeah right yeah and I talk about that all the time because life is gonna happen like you cannot control what life is gonna throw at you at all and even when you're like yeah I'm gonna voluntarily step into this situation or take this on you have no idea what comes along with all the things that that brings Mm -hmm. and so I do I talk a lot about self-care and because you have to prepare yourself to be centered to be able to take all those things on without losing yourself in it which is what I did and why I started doing what I do now because it's so easy to just get washed over by life and just lose yourself in all the things that you're trying to do for everybody else so then let's take that step back because um you know you're saying like you lost yourself so were you I mean so for me (laughs) I kind of think that in some ways I was like really you know I I knew I was like a very highly sensitive person and I knew before I even had kids I was like I have to take care of myself and Mm -hmm. I got a little bit of you know I got enough selfishness or whatever that I was like I gotta do this and I didn't succumb to that whole like you know it's like everywhere like the mommy martyr the pressure Mm -hmm. from our society and our world for women especially especially moms to just let themselves kind of be serve everybody else all the time and that's the message we get is to serve everybody else all the time do for everybody else and that's how you're a good person and a good parent and a good mother and you know I don't know I I call bs on that <laughs> but, but you, you it sounds like 
that was something that was part of what where you were going with your with that path, right? Like it was feeling that that pressure. I, part of it was situational. Mm-hmm. So my my first child, I'm, I was a really self centered like <laughs> I dance, and I ran a business, and I would go salsa dancing every weekend, like. I did my thing before having children. Like, I had my things, and I knew what I liked, and I pursued my career, and I decided to go to college. Like, that wasn't hard for me then. And then I had a child that was born with a congenital heart defect. Oh, man. And it was like, what? Like I don't know if it was my way of trying to control the uncontrollable, but you have a child, and your life alters. But then on top of that, they have a major health problem. And so I, I had lost my job also right prior to that, like I was talking about earlier. Um, and so I just threw everything into my kid because I didn't know where to put the energy that I normally have and like the drive that I normally have. So I have this kid, then we have health issues. So I just threw everything into that because um, it was also a oh, well, he needs open-heart surgery, but we don't know when he's going to need to have it, and he's losing weight, and it was kind of like, don't really know what's going on, Um, because we didn't find out till he was three months old, so he wasn't gaining weight, they thought my milk wasn't coming in, and he kind of had heart palpitations, and so there was a lot of back and forth to the doctor for the first three months to figure that out, and then, thank goodness, we had a super overzealous pediatrician who's like very like I don't like this so let's double check it Mm. um and that resulted in us getting that diagnosis of his congenital heart defect but then once we knew that then it was like okay what do we do what do I do how do I fix this like how do I and so I think I just took all of that energy and drive that I had prior and just threw it into him and getting him healthier and and making sure that up to the surgery, he was getting everything that he needed. He was getting the calories in. And and then we had breastfeeding issues that I didn't know were related to the um, heart problem. And he also tongue-tied. So oh I basically was oh like stuck in a chair breastfeeding him. And then once we figured it out, it was like a panic and like, well, do you leave him with somebody to go do the thing that you want to do when he could, like, stop breathing properly yeah, in no. the midst of that? Yeah. So that's kind of, I just took all my energy wow. and threw it towards that. Maybe it was part of just trying to control it and keep mm. my feelings in check mm. and not totally freak out <laughs> and fall apart. Um, but I think that was situational for oh, me. Yeah. Sounds like I stand totally corrected. <laughs> that's that's an incredibly yeah. What an incredible situation. Yeah, you you would direct everything yeah. to that to that situation. So and then once I mean he had a congenital heart defect where if you get one that's the one you want because it's the easiest to oh. fix. Not to say that that's great. No, but but that's all good. Good luck. It's the easiest one to fix. It usually only takes um, mm-hmm. one surgery to fix. So it's like once we got up to that and we had the surgery, and then that was taken care of, and he was thriving within like three days. It was like no surgery happened. Wow. This kid is a force to be reckoned with and then I was like I 
I don't know what to do with all this energy. Like, yeah, what do I do now? Mm. So I kind of started losing myself because I had thrown everything into the kid. Mm. Now this problem is solved and it's not so all-consuming anymore. Mm-hmm. Where do I go? But then my husband got a job in Chicago. We moved to Chicago. I got pregnant again and then back into that cycle again. So my husband's had hair thinning issues for years, for a long time. It's not something he'd love to have, and he's done some things for it. But recently, he started using Nutrafol, and oh my gosh, we have actually seen quite a difference. Did you know that for women, hair thinning happens in approximately one in two women? And if you're among them, I want you to know that you're definitely not alone. It's normal, but it's not openly talked about and going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. But you can join over one million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding, like my honey. Physician formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supplements support healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, including stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism as they evolve throughout a woman's life. And while many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol's women's hair growth supplement for six months. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription required, free shipping, and automated deliveries to ensure you'll never miss a day. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code MINDFULPARENTING. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code MINDFULPARENTING. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Mindful Parenting. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And the season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. So a lot of like, I mean, that's an incredible roller coaster. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine. And for you, you know, you, that brings up for me like a, a memory of a friend of mine who had a congenital heart defect and 
he anyway he was um he was told like he was supposed to like not have lived past 16 or oh, something wow. or at 16 he was told he had six months to live and I met him in his 20s mm-hmm. in college and he was a dancer and he like taught he was like this like huge man with long dreadlocks and he and he was a swing dancer and he would swing me around and then he died and he had never I hadn't known oh wow and um but anyway um but it was like oh he was told he had six months to live and he lived like you know years beyond that and it was really beautiful to see that so i am glad that it's not the story of your son no he is now (laughs) your your story is like a real roller coaster i mean to move to have that happen and then to bring in your you know your son who's who's adopted who's your cousin and then to move and now you're back in california i mean you have to really be practicing and 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 do consciously grounding yourself and I, i just i wasn't aware of the mindful practice because you don't necessarily have to be aware of it when you're not when you're only caring for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't aware how much of was slipping away from me mm. as I was becoming a mom and doing all these things mm-hmm. and trying to balance out my husband's career. And it just was like suddenly I come out of the haze of having children and I'm like, "Whoa, where am I? What is happening here? This mm-hmm. is crazy." Like Mm-hmm. I've just slowly dissipated it through all of this. Mm, yeah, this feeling of like like that identity shift, right? Yeah. Like and and that happens to a lot of us. Like you you I mean, I did that too. Like I left a job and I was like I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to raise my mm-hmm. children. I'm going to and this is great that we have the flexibility to be able to do that. But then we don't realize in some ways like this sort of self-identity and like what that means mm-hmm. in some ways so we and we tell ourselves like i'm just i'm just a stay-at-home mom and 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 the, this is how i spend my days with little kids and wiping butts and it's some i'm annoyed and frustrated and all of those things yeah. and like it's hard it's like hard to say well okay what you know what are those things wait a second like what are those things that fulfill me that not only just help me not lose my temper, but also who, you know, make me the person I am that I'm, I'm still the same, you know, not, yeah. I'm not the same person I was before I had kids, but you know, I'm still, still I'm, I'm still more than just a mom. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so talk to me a little bit about that for you, how that. Well, it really, it came to a, a head probably when my youngest was six months old. Um, because as like I've said, there's just been ups and downs and ups and downs, and I'll catch my breath and start figuring out. And then my nine-year-old joined the family when he well he joined the family when he was nine, and then whoops, there comes another baby, <laughs> and it was like all these ups and downs. And then my um, right after my last child was born, my husband got a few jobs overseas, so. There was about a five-month period where I think he was home for, like, one weekend and, like, maybe a week. But right in the midst of that, his mother passed away from cancer. So that week we spent at her funeral. Um, His 
middle, my oldest, my middle stepdaughter has colitis. So she had a flare up and ended up in the hospital. Um, So she had to get blood transfusion and, um, you know, I have a newborn and then I'm dealing with the transition of my oldest. And it was just like this stuff, 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 compiling, compiling, compiling. And I was kind of like waiting for the moment when I could go be with my husband. He was in Australia at the time. And so we had to get a passport for the youngest one because he was going to come with me. And we figured out to get the ticket at the last minute. And I'm at the passport office to get the passport for my youngest. And the Australian government wrote the date wrong. What? On one part of the Uh. application. And the passport guy is like, I'm sorry, we can't approve this. The date is wrong. And I lost it. In the passport office, I'm sobbing into a cloth diaper. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like the heaving, can't talk kind of sob. My baby is like hanging out of the carrier. I'm like begging the man to try to figure this out. Between like, I just, it was, I mean, I can laugh at it now, but it was awful. But it was really just like this culmination of all the things that I had been taking in, not just kind of stamping down because I had to keep going. I hadn't been doing anything for me. I hadn't been dealing with any of my self-care because who has time for that? Mm -hmm. And I, it was a mess. And after that day, because it was like, oh, if I just wait till this moment, then I'll have this big grand trip and I'll get all this Mm. rest and everything's going to be fine after that. No. And And then the door got slammed in (laughs) your face. Oh, no. It was kind of the universe's way of saying, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And we have to show you that this is not (laughs) a sustainable practice. What you're doing here Mm -hmm. is not going to work for you because life is going to happen. And if you keep waiting for the big moment Mm -hmm. to do something about it, you're going to fall apart, which is basically what happened. So I cried for like the next day. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, we got to do something because this is not working. It's not working for anybody involved. Yeah, I think that's like, it kind of like goes back to that whole idea, like how how you live your, your days is how you live your life. Yeah. You know, and you can't, you know, you can't be putting off your needs forever. You can't be putting off these things forever. So what changed, so what, what did you start to do? Well, first I said, I need something for me. Mm-hmm. Where's the me? And that's where the mom form was born. Because mm-hmm. um, I had been writing since, my piece had gone viral and the photo of my daughter had gone viral, but nothing steady. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of surfacy. I mean, I was sharing like the truth about my motherhood, but I felt like it wasn't really addressing what I wanted to say about motherhood or interacting with moms and building the community mm-hmm. that I wanted. Um, and so I, end, I did end up going to another country with my husband. We managed to get that one together. <laughs> And I couldn't sleep at night because of the time change. So I basically sat down and built the mom form for myself and started writing. And not necessarily as, oh, I'm going to figure out how to get paid for this. But these are the things that I need to say. These are the things I needed to hear. Um, And so it was like, this is my thing. And I'm going to do this 
for me, even if that means I have to get up earlier in the morning, but something for me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to start thinking about how was I spending my time? What did I want for myself? What did I need for myself? And how was I going to actually implement that in my life? Because I can't really change my circumstances. I got four kids now. Mm-hmm. My husband travels a lot. <laughs> to suddenly say, well, you can't travel for work anymore would yeah, be yeah. like mm-hmm. unfair to him and mm-hmm. not... Like, that's who I married, so Mm -hmm. I can't expect everything to change now. So I had to figure out how do I make this me, the Mm -hmm. center of all of this, cared for Mm -hmm. in everything that I am doing and being to everybody. All right. All right. Well, how how do you take care of mama in those circumstances? Because I think a lot of people can relate to those circumstances. We all, whether you have one child or four children, like, mm-hmm. it's incredibly overwhelming, especially if, I, if they're young and they're not in school and you're, you're, it's, life gets so turned upside down and just everyone's lives. You know, my kids are in school now, but, like, life gets yeah. full. Life gets busy and, and there's a pressure in our society to just be going and doing and, so and everything's sort of filled up. So what are, what are these ways? How, how do you make, how did you make time? So just a little background, my work with the Los Angeles County Arts Commission, I was a strategic planner for them. Oh, sweet. So <laughs> Strategically yes. planning momhood. And I was like, <laughs> wait, I have this skill. Let me see if I can apply it to myself because I'm working with school districts and teaching them how to implement a plan. I think I can work with myself and figure out how to implement a plan. So I had to create a plan because, I mean... When you have all of that stuff going on, there's just no way that you could actually get focused on yourself if there's not some kind of structure to it. Mm. But one of the first things I had to sit down and do is to really get honest with myself about how I was using my time. Mm. Like, was I really using my time in the way that was most beneficial to me? Or was I, like, using Candy Crush for... 45 minutes at the end of the night, which is a total like fair, you zone out, but what is it giving back to you? Mm. Like was, my time is so limited. Is my time giving me what I need? So I had to really sit down and get honest about how I was really using my time and if the things that I was doing was serving me in the ways that I needed. So I took basically, a, um, a, I tracked all the things that I was doing mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with myself and I was wasting a lot of time honestly which I think a lot of us do and we're not even aware of it how much time we're actually not using to our advantage then I had to sit down and think about okay what do I really want to do for myself what are the some of the things that I want that I have not been doing and then just pick a few of those to focus on at a time and then to actually sit down and plan my week out okay I need, I want to be able to read. I want to be eating better because my energy is low and I'm not feeling good these days and I need to be getting more sleep. So what are just a few things I can focus on right now to change my practice of? And then Mm -hmm. once I get that in check, then I can add something else. Mm -hmm. So I just started like, instead of bringing my phone to bed, reading 
Mm. Keeping a book by the side of my bed and on the back of the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Plug the phone in downstairs. Yeah, (laughs) on my desk away from me so I'm not even tempted to pick Mm. it up. And the next thing I knew, I was reading again and I was Mm. finishing, you know, like a book a month. It's not how I used to read, but I was accomplishing things. And then I started being very mindful about, okay, lights out at 10 o'clock. Mm. So, and mind you, this these things cycle. Like sometimes I'm really, really good about it, and sometimes I'm really, really not. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I would try to do it for thirty days to change the habit and make it a practice. Yeah. So yeah. I just plan, create a plan, put that plan into actual time pieces in your day. Like mm-hmm. when are you actually going to take the time? And most of it was just fifteen minutes mm-hmm. in the morning, fifteen minutes in the afternoon, fifteen minutes at night. Mm-hmm. But just that setting that side of time for my that time aside for myself made a huge difference for me. Just that little, yes. little tiny bit of time. Or if I know I'm driving somewhere and I'm stressed out, just taking that moment to turn off the radio and having mm-hmm. a mindful moment as I'm mm-hmm. driving to let my brain kind of relax mm-hmm. and be. So just really being mindful (laughs) about what I'm doing and how it's feeding me and not just throwing my time away because I just, I need to zone out. Yes. Which is, yes, that's a form of self-care, but is the zoning out giving me what I need? Yeah, and if you actually end up like kind of looking at your time really consciously, you might find you have a little time to zone out too, and yeah. that's okay. And, but if you're if you're specific about yeah. that, and you intentional. know, yeah, intentional yeah. about that, then you you're not sitting there going, okay, I'm spending this hour to watch Netflix, but really I should be doing dishes and yeah. I should be doing this. So you're not even enjoying the time that you're taking because mm-hmm. you're not being intentional about it, and then we end up beating ourselves up about the fifty other things that we're not doing. <laughs> Yeah, so being very specific and intentional. I love that. You're just looking at your time. Okay, what do I what what am I needing right now? And I think right now we you know like we know what we're needing. Yeah. If we're not getting enough sleep, we know we need oh, to we work know. on yeah. sleep. Right. We know um, you know, I have clients who come to me and they're like, Oh, I wanna like fit in the meditation practice and sometimes we start to talk about sleep and I'm like, you know what, you need sleep more than meditation right now. So like go for you know, this is in that bit by bit creating a change creating a habit bit by bit over time I mean that's that's really what we need you also talk about support yes right so, so necessary tell me a little bit more about like what were you getting support through I mean because you were moving different places you were kind of back and forth was that was that happening for you and then how did you how did you find support I think the biggest block in getting support was me not asking yeah, yeah. I'm such a doer and like I got it and I can figure it all out myself that my biggest problem was not saying, hey, um, honey, I need can you do the afternoon with the kids when you're home? Because I just need that downtime to kind of catch up with everything while you've been gone mm-hmm. or just, you know, maybe asking my mom to come down to visit while he's away to support me in some ways. I found that my biggest obstacle to that was myself mm-hmm. and trying to get out of my own way and actually state that I need help and putting people in place to do that. The other side of it was I felt like 
taking on the title of stay-at-home mom meant that I had to do all these things. Oh, you are you are pointing to something really important here. <laughs> That's just like I want to underline it right now because let's just say that again because it's such a BS thing we tell it ourselves. Is. Like. Okay, say it again. Yeah, I mean, I was like, okay, I'm the stay-at-home mom now, so I should be making all the dinners from scratch, and I should be fully entertaining my children. And, oh, they should have some form of school time in the middle of the day, and my refrigerator should be organized, and the dishes should be done, and the laundry should be done. And I'm going to look fabulous doing all of those things. (laughs) And it was like, and then I was beating myself up because I couldn't do all of that. But in my head, I'm, but I'm a stay-at-home mom. Like, this is my full-time job, and I should be doing all these things. And so then my husband would come home and say a random statement like, wow, why is there a fridge a mess? And I would take it so personally because in my head that means I didn't do my job and he sees that I didn't do my job and then that means I'm not holding up my side of the bargain in this whole marriage thing no (laughs) absolutely not he's just doing what he does he he's a super organized person I am not and it's like but I was taking everything so personally and had developed this this standard of how I should be doing everything as opposed to, no, I'm not capable of keeping the clean the house clean while having two, three kids at home full time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to bring someone to clean in the house and take that on. You know what? It's impossible to go grocery shopping with two kids in tow and actually get all the things that I need. So hello, Amazon. We're going to have the groceries delivered to my house. That Whole Foods Amazon Prime thing is so a game changer. OMG. like Such a game changer. I love it so much. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm giving Amazon all my money. But it makes my life so much better. I hate going to the grocery store. It's such a lifesaver. And I actually, I love going to the grocery store. But with two kids, it's it's a nightmare. And just finding those little ways to set up supports that don't necessarily have to be a full-time nanny Mm -hmm. or a husband that Mm -hmm. does 50-50 in the household because that's not everyone's story but what's what realistically can you put in place what realistically can you let go of and let someone else take over and in this day and age there's just so much there's there's things um apps that will pick your children up (laughs) schedule pickups for your children I don't know that I would use that personally but there's so much available to us to create a support system that doesn't necessarily have to be your mother or your mother-in-law or your sister or the full-time nanny yeah that I think we're not taking full advantage of and maybe even may carry some guilt around because we're supposed to be able to do all of it yeah I think that's the thing I mean is this story we tell ourselves about like this is my job and that's that's simply not true and just also talking to your talking to your husband talking to your partner about that I mean I know so many of my clients often um (laughs) they often can't even uh or, or feel very feel so much block so many blocks against actually like just having their husband do bedtime yeah I don't know, maybe a couple nights a week. And you can go and do something else, you know, and, and leave that situation. But my kids want me. Well, sometimes they don't get you, and it's okay. Yeah, they You're allowed to, to have your life, right? And your your husband's going to figure it out. No one's going to die. Everyone's going to be all right. You know, and, and just letting, we have to, uh, 
let go of that control yeah. because it's it doesn't serve anyone for you to be everything. It's the, it it's the recipe for resentment. Oh, absolutely. And then you don't even realize all the resentment that you're building up in the list that you're keeping of or the tally. I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And then he is sitting over there doing that. And, da, 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 da. and the next mm. thing you know, you're pissed off at your husband and he doesn't even know why. Yeah. <laughs> or your spouse, your partner. And I realized I was doing that a lot. And my husband was clueless to the things that were going on in my head. And so it was like I was holding him to this unfair standard and I wasn't even communicating mm. what it was that I wanted or needed from him. Yeah. Because yeah. they're they're just not mind readers. And honestly, I also discover all the things that live in my head, the lists that live in my head do not live in his head. <laughs> like if a birthday party goes by and he missed it or didn't send them a card or a gift, he could care less. Like that's just not even on his radar. So for me to be all like I take care of all the birthday cards. And da, 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 da. For him, that's like, I don't care about it. Like, it's Yeah, we, we have to be specific and ask. Like, I, I remember at one point with my husband, I was like, I realized, like, oh, that sort of, like, executive, like, uh, running, uh, mentally keeping tally of all the things I was kind of doing some, like, all of that. And I was like, whoa, listen, you've got piano lesson, piano instructor, all that communication, that's you. Mm -hmm. And you've got the children's, the theater thing, right? Like all that communication, that's you, Mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, it was a conversation. I'm saying it like I was kind of bossing around. I really wasn't. It was a conversation. (laughs) But like we have to speak up and say, you know, because we do sort of unintentionally just take all these things on and they aren't. It's if, if we're in a partnership, you know, it's it's their it's their it's their job as well to to take care of some of those things. So I don't even know when we pay the piano instructor. Or yeah. Like you know what I mean? I have no idea. Like, hey, you know, Bill, when is when does that happen? And that you know, and I want to encourage you, dear listener, to like learn from this example and just say, you know, you don't don't take all the things on and no. and and have those conversations ask for what you're needing don't just be ranting in your head yeah and even the things that like you deserve to go out and have a girls night out like that is yeah. <laughs> yeah you need that you deserve downtime to do nothing mm-hmm. you deserve that time and so does your partner so don't feel guilt in asking that and don't guilt your partner for asking for that because we need time to develop ourselves and be with ourselves because all that does is help you be a better partner, a better wife, a better mother, whatever Mm -hmm. it is you need to be because you've had that time to check in with yourself. And I see so many moms that will maybe ask for help in the home but won't ask for time to do things for themselves. There's so much guilt. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. 
but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. And I even push back against the whole ask for thing because we don't have to ask permission. Yeah. This is not, you, your partner is not your father. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, are you, like it's, 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 you know, have a conversation with and you, yeah, I mean, we have to like communicate with each other, but yeah, yeah it's, um, it's, it's tricky. So good. When that is something you advocate for enormously is, yeah. is finding, you know, that, that sort of confidence and that, ability to say okay I need I need these things I'm going to start to take steps towards making taking making these things happen um in in your life um yay good for you high five thank you (laughs) (laughs) it's work man that's it's work like it's not easy it doesn't just come naturally for a lot of people and then you think you have it figured out and then your kids school schedule changes and you got to figure it all out again or things at home change or new jobs come up it's just like a constant ongoing working cycle yeah yeah it's never you know it's always messy and we you know but it's like what is what is that north I think sometimes what is helpful is to think about like yeah, like taking that moment of step back, like, what do I need? What do I want even? Like, mm-hmm. what is that vision, right? And when, as changes come, you know, how can I make choices that are towards my vision of, of what I'm wanting? Um, so if, we, if you don't mind, we can shift gears a little because sure. um, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, you know, recently it's been, I think it's like such an important conversation to have. We've been having all these conversations in our culture and world about race and Black Lives Matter and, and Me Too, all of those things. And um, and I'm the aunt of some beautiful nieces who are mm-hmm. have a white father and a, a black mother. She's uh, she's actually African. She says, I'm not African-American. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> anyway, um, and you grew up the child of a uh white mother mm-hmm. and a black father, right? Yes. So yes. Um, can you talk to, a li- and now you're raising kids, and can you talk to a little bit about maybe um, 
you know, j- growing up, it, you know, when you did as mm-hmm. a child of a uh, people who are two different races, which race is a construct anyway. But anyway, what was that experience like? And kind of how do you how do you see these things sort of evolving and, and moving now? Because, yeah. Well, there's so much there's to address. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, let me just open it's, up a big old yeah. subject right there. I th- in in my home, like I don't see, oh, my white mom and my black dad. Like they're just yeah. mom and dad. Um, and I grew up in Alabama. So outside of the home, it was clear to me that there was you know, judgment around that and people had feelings about it. But my mom um, mostly did so much work about ensuring that we were in places that were multiple races there. Mm -hmm. Like the school that we went to, she made sure that it wasn't just all white or all Mm -hmm. black. It was extremely multi-ethnic because it was right in the middle of this big medical campus where a lot of foreign families went to so um, and it also had uh, children that had uh, hard of hearing and uh, Mm. special ed classes and they intermingled a lot of the classes so she really went out of her way to almost overexpose us to multi-ethnic situations and to make sure that, like, she put us in a black dance company. But then it, it was just, she went so out of her way to ensure that we didn't feel isolated in any way that I almost clueless <laughs> to, yeah. like, the fact that there mm-hmm. may have been problems. I know they had to address problems. Um, because as an adult, my mom has shared some stories with me, you know, of like neighbors threatening them or things like that. But I never, I was clueless to that Mm -hmm. as a child. I mean, there were instances where I would be literally right next to my mother calling her mom and -hmm. like an adult would address me like, where's your mother? And I'm like, I just called this woman right here, oh, mom. No. <laughs> I have I have a good friend who has uh, who has uh, is the same exact situation except she's that white mom, and she says, "Yeah, like she she goes into situations and it's <laughs> like people have this disassociation. They can't, especially back then, because I mean, we you have more multiracial families, and especially mm. living in California, it's a lot oh, yeah. different. The lines are not." as clear as they were, at least in Alabama when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I missed a lot of it. It's funny, my sister has a very different perspective. Oh, She's yeah. a lot more sensitive mm-hmm. to that kind of thing. So she took more of it in than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's able to come up with these stories that I was clueless to. <laughs> it's funny because we have these conversations sometimes about when we were growing up and she's mm-hmm. like, you didn't know that such and such was happening. I'm like... No, totally clueless about that. But she's a lot more sensitive to that kind of thing than I am. But but it also, I, I guess my mom was just so determined to make sure that she supplied us with all the things that we needed to self-identify. Yeah. So I've always been so secure in the fact that I am white and I am black. And I don't need to pick a side. And I'm fine with the fact that you may identify me as an African-American. That's fine with me. But I know who I am. Mm. Um, And Mm -hmm. both of my parents were strong parts of my life as parents, even though they divorced when I was 12. So 
I think maybe I had a weird perspective on it because I didn't have as many challenges that I think a lot of biracial kids had. That's cool. You make me very hopeful for my nieces because they live in a very um, multicultural place. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I I get worried because, you know, we go to my parents' house and we go to in Rhode Island, which is like a really white state. But it was like, you know, we go to the beach and like they're like the only kids of color like on that whole beach. And I feel you know, I'm, and I don't know if they're noticing it, you know what I mean? But anyway, your your story makes me hopeful for them because their situation is very multicultural. So how about now as you raise a black, black sons because, you know, men of color, and that to me, the whole, I, I feel so like I could imagine the fear. Uh, I mean, that... You, you can have to raise a, a, a black man in this world is like incredible because of the the I mean just the I don't know it's like hard to talk about because it yeah. seems like this guy I mean you can't think about it obviously all the time but like so how does it how do you deal with that how does that run well, through your head I mean I have there is the narrative that we see in social media and the news and Yes, some of that is real and there are situations that black men have to face that most people do not have to face. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that my daily narrative though? Yeah. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. My children are happy living, you know, lives of kids. Yeah. And they happen to be black boys. Does it come into play for me? Yes. Both of my boys um one of them is officially diagnosed with ADHD. The other one has a, a vision issue and some sensory issues um, with the thing called Erlen syndrome. And so they're high energy and they is hard for one of them is very hard for him to focus in school. And um, that comes up as behavior issues. And the other one is very super hyper focused, which also can come up as behavior issues. And sometimes in dealing with the schools, I do worry are they addressing them differently because they are a child of color? Yeah. Are they um, being looked at differently? Is their behavior being looked mm-hmm. at differently? And there are some instances where, yes, I do feel that way. And I, it's really frustrating when I feel like I need to address it. And it's a very difficult thing to address because people do not want to have that conversation or to address their own biases. Oh, yeah. And then for you to talk about it then, because God forbid you seem like an angry black woman. Like, that's like, oh, God. But I've never that, like, I don't like to play into that narrative. Like, you have made me angry and I have a right to be angry now. And so... Now you're going to hear from me what my problem is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if because I will speak up like that, I'm seen as confrontational. But I am. The thing that is wearing is that I have to be aware of those things. And to have to explain that those are things that I have to be aware of when other people can be completely unaware of it it's it can be exhausting at times Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that is necessarily true like some of the times that that is not the case at all but you have to be aware of it and you have to constantly like 
do I need to address this? What conversation do I need to have about this? Mm -hmm. Just little, what some may see as minor things. I think people call them microaggressions Mm -hmm. that could be easily overlooked or overpassed. Or if you bring it up as, I didn't no, no, that's not the case at all. I don't know what you're talking about. And you're but like, but we all have racial bias in yes. us. I mean, that's just everybody does. It's like, it's like every single person of every color in our yeah. culture has it. Yeah. And then dealing with them in school is where it comes up the most. Um, but my husband and I are very like, we want to teach our children self responsibility self-advocacy to be resourceful and to speak for themselves and we don't it's such a hard line to toe because you Mm want to be aware Mm -hmm. of it when do you make your child aware of it do you speak about that to them do you bring it up is this situation one where you need to have this conversation and at the same time teaching them that they are still responsible for themselves in the world and they Mm -hmm. still have to make responsible choices and you can't blame other people for your situation like you can't fall into the well because I'm black Mm. things are so hard for me Mm -hmm. maybe probably in this situation someone could be holding that against you and then on this side someone may not but you still have to learn how to function in this world and and trying to toe that line of teaching your children when to be aware of that Mm. when to know that that is not the case when to Mm. make a deal of something when Mm -hmm. to not it is something to carry and it is a worry that you have in your head and do I not show them this and do we turn on the news and share this story with them and have a discussion Mm -hmm. and what part of it is just the hype of the news to Mm -hmm. make it a big story and what part of it is true and what part of it affects my child and what part of it do they not need to know about at all? Like, I want my children to be children. Yeah. To have I, I want them to childhood. be naive at eight years old. Yes. And I don't want to have to have these conversations, but I also want them to be aware of the world that they're growing up in. And so it's just, it can be exhausting to constantly navigate that line. And even when I'm having to navigate their 504s or IEP plans, like, where is the line and what am I navigating? And Because mm-hmm. part of it is you just don't know and you may feel some microaggression sitting under there. And sometimes coming from the background that I am, biracial, I don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's an advantage or a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because you... Yeah, there may, you know, you may have less ability to sort of shelter them in some ways because you have to kind of keep them safe, right? Mm-hmm. And some, and that's, and how, how do you navigate that? And also, like, yeah, that whole idea of like making them aware, but not letting them use that as like an excuse, like letting them, having them take that responsibility. That's a lot, that's a lot to hold. Um, I had, Nefertiti Austin on the Mm -hmm. podcast a while back and she talked about how with her son like she had to explain at a birthday party that she couldn't let him play in the with in the front yard with like the Nerf guns the way all the kids are playing with the Nerf guns she Mm -hmm. she kind of explained this to the mom and um and it's just it's just it's just things that people don't 
think about. So I like, I'm glad we get to thank you for sharing, yeah, sure. opening up and sharing a little bit because I think it's really important for us to understand like what's, for everyone to understand like what's going on in all these mm-hmm. different ways so that um, we can just have more awareness and more compassion. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just if it's not introduced to you, you're completely unaware of it. Yeah, why would you be? Yeah, like guess. my eight-year-old is in gymnastics and like I worry, like we went to a big, the the big competition with the older kids the that like qualified you for the Olympics. Oh, wow. And one of the thoughts in my head is I really hope there's black boys there that he can see on the floor. Oh. Mm. And then my thought is I bet you she doesn't even have to think about this. And then it's like, well, I don't want to have these thoughts, but they come up. And it's like just those little things and being aware that that may even be something that a mom of color has to think of is some of the things that we can even be aware of. Like, yeah, the the things that we don't know and being open to hearing about the things that we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. I hope this is like a small step in that direction for all of us. Maybe you, dear listener, hearing this podcast as well. Um, I should totally link up to that picture of you <laughs> in the show notes. I think I might, because uh, it's so hilarious. Um, yeah, uh, so as we as we kind of wrap up, what do you have any final words for the listener? Anything you want to share and... Um, and also where they can find you, of course. I just learned for myself, don't be afraid to put yourself first sometimes. It's, it's so necessary um, because really it supports you in being better in everything else that you do. If you constantly kick yourself to the end of the list, you're never going to get to yourself. Yeah. And it just does not serve anybody. Yes. Yeah, that would be the advice I've learned for myself to share out to others. Yes. Yes. You have to put yourself first. You gotta. Yeah. If you don't, you you don't have it inside. How can you give it up? Alicia, thank you so very much for coming on the mindful mama podcast. It has been a pleasure. Um, where can people find you? Uh, especially on Instagram, I think is the funnest way to find you actually. (laughs) My personal Instagram page is my life is a beach. Um, and then I also have the mom forum, which is my platform. And then you can find me on Facebook at the mom forum. And my website is the mom forum.com. All right. Those are all the places. Yes. And we will, we'll link up to one of those places in the show notes at mindful podcast.com. Thank you so much, Alicia. Thank it's been you. Fun. I enjoyed it. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I really love talking to Alicia and the whole idea of her her kids. But I love how honest she is. She's like, I'm not good at cleaning the house, and and you know how her her honest uh, ways of approaching the craziness of being a, a stay-at-home parent. Um, so I hope that this has been helpful for you. Please, of course, let me know if it has. Uh, actually, I want to thank um, Marion 
YC or Miria NYC for the five-star review on iTunes. So then thank you. I really appreciate your wonderful review. That makes means so much to me to read that. If you want to support the podcast, leaving a review is a great way to support the podcast. And of course, sharing it with friends is such, such a wonderful way. So if this episode sparked something for you and you know it might spark something for a friend, please do share it. I love um, getting those shout outs and Instagram too. Those are fun. So please do that. And just a quick reminder, the spring retreat is open. Spots have been going right away. We have limited spots available for the one day spring mindful mama spring retreat. That's on March 21st uh, in Philadelphia. And you can get your ticket at mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. And I hope that you have a peaceful week. I hope that you um, have moments of slowing down, moments of um, just resting in the midst of all the craziness. I hope that you have moments of where you're really leaning into the joy. And I will be trying to do that too with you. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm wishing you the best week ever. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this you can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist. So you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. MindfulParentingCourse.com Feel like you're the martyr in your family? 
You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.